Hello, this is the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas and the United States. I'm your host, Nick Gwynn. I am an IP attorney in San Antonio, Texas with the law firm Gunley and Cave. Our guest today is John Strohmeyer. John is the founding attorney of Strohmeyer Law in Houston, Texas. John is a graduate of the University of Texas and the NYU School of Law. Prior to law school, John spent three years as the night manager of the Four Seasons Hotel in Austin, Texas, and he founded Strohmeyer Law three years ago. John will talk to us today about client service for lawyers. John, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Nick. Thanks for having me. Well, this is, uh, I think this can be a very fun and exciting episode, John. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you perform. Sure. So I own Strohmeyer Law in Houston. My firm is focused on guiding my clients who are almost exclusively individuals through the maze of tax, estate planning, and probate law. So it starts usually with estate planning, but I also do the tax planning and cross-border tax work for my clients who own assets outside of the U.S. I'm not doing 1040s or annual return preparation. I leave that to the CPAs who know what they're doing, but I'm helping them with the legal structuring and helping them get everything lined up. Excellent. I think everyone can benefit from that. Uh, John, how did you wind up where you are today? Oh, like everybody, it's a long, long story. Uh, after graduating high school, I went to UT for undergrad. I thought I was going to be a doctor like my dad and my brother. Realized I was not cut out for medicine, but liked science. So I thought I was going to do IP. Got to law school after four years working for the Four Seasons as kind of a interlude to just take a break from school. Then realized IP wasn't really my deal either, but I really did like tax. And so I, you know, got took all the tax classes UT Law would let me take, went and got my tax LLM. And then it was 2010. Nick, you probably remember there weren't many jobs available in 2010 in the legal market. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Somehow I was lucky enough to get a job doing estate planning and cross-border tax for individuals in Austin. I was like, this is great. I'm going to work for a small firm. I can hopefully bring some of what I'd learned at the Four Seasons during my management career there bring that in, integrate it. And it, you know, I ran it headlong into the problems that a lot of young attorneys face. And that's, we are a profession bound by precedent. And I was asking lawyers who had paid their mortgage and put their kids through college doing it their way. And I was asking questions about, well, why are we doing it this way? And here's a better way to deliver things to our clients. And it wasn't just at the first firm. I've seen it at all the firms I'd worked at, plus just talking to other lawyers. You see and hear the same sorts of things of, we're doing it this way. We're going to keep doing it this way. Here's here's how we think we deliver better service. And it just kind of graded on me. And finally, when I did end up starting my firm in 2018, Part of the goal was to set it up and make it different so that I could integrate more of what I'd learned at the Four Seasons in how I'm delivering to my clients. Well, John, that that brings me to the question that I'm dying to ask, and I think all our listeners want to hear. 
Um, not that they want to hear the question, but they want to hear your answer. What are things that you learned about client service uh, uh, while working at the Four Seasons and how should lawyers implement them? So from my time at the Four Seasons, one of the things to first think about is Four Seasons doesn't have any sort of monopoly on hotel or rented room provision. You know, lawyers, we've been able to sit behind the walls of our our uh, protected monopoly and our licensing requirements. And I'm not saying we should give that up, but, you know, it's it's something that we're all faced with of the legal Zoom, the DIY, the just free information, whatever it's worth, and usually not very much on the internet. These are things that are coming and taking the jobs that lawyers were traditionally doing. You know, we tell clients this is what the law is. We have access. We can find it. Clients can find that now. So it's almost pulling us back to a more open, you know, we've got to compete in a broader market and we have to be able to sell our services. Now, ultimately, people are coming to lawyers because they want us to move the needle on a specific problem for them. They're not going to come to us for some grand experience. That's where you know, this is one of the mistakes that lawyers make. And it's not just lawyers. It's lots of people who say, oh, you know, Four Seasons, Disney, Ritz-Carlton, you know, even the 11-hour the support call from Zappos. People are saying, oh, well, we need to follow those models as lawyers. And one of those crucial mistakes is those companies are doing very different things and they have very different models than we do. And it is a mistake to try and follow them because Disney and Four Seasons are are looking to, you know, how can we expand and be over the top? How can we kind of push your experience so you say, oh, God, you know, it's great. But people go to Disney and Four Seasons and Ritz for some combination of entertainment, pampering, and fun. Nobody's going to say, you know where I want to go for entertainment, pampering, and fun? You know, I've got a free free Saturday I have a, you know, blue sky unlimited budget. I'm going to go hang out with my lawyer. That's just not going to happen. And when you start trying to follow what Disney and Four Seasons are doing, it's going to lead you down the, oh, well, we need to have a, you know, a fancier office. Clients love fancy office. I mean, I've been using the updated version of Regis. You know, it's called Spaces, but, you know, polished concrete floors and glass windows. It's not the fanciest office, but it's clean and it looks nice. And my clients like that. It's good enough. Clients aren't coming for the over-the-top office. They're not coming for, you know, a, a drink menu. I mean, I, I remember being in a conference once and, and a, a more seasoned attorney was very proud when the topic of client service came up. And she was like, well, you know, when the client comes in, we find out what they want to drink. And if we don't have that in the refrigerator, we go to the store and we buy it for them. And we have that ready for them every time they come back. And I remember sitting there thinking, and you know, Nick, podcasting is an audio medium, so our listeners can't hear us. But you're smiling right now because you know as well as I do that there is no way that happened. That is, you know, that is just nonsense, uh, trying to keep this clean for the kids. But it's like, there's no way that happens. And beyond that, there's no way that any client would say, oh, well, you know, I went to Smith, Smith and Jones because they had lime flavored Perrier when I wanted it. Like, would you as a potential client 
in reviewing Google reviews for some law firm. Oh, you know, this person, they, they love the drink menu. Well, you know, the problem with that, like it makes sense for Disney and Four Seasons, which serve food to have a better kind of refined menu because they're offering that on a regular basis. Law firms, nobody's coming to us for the food. Nobody should. And I don't want people to start getting into this arms race of, oh, you know, there's better better coffee at the law firm down the street. Like, it's nice if you can do it without taking, you know, really what it comes down to is I don't want law firms thinking we need to take these big expensive risks on fancier coffees. I mean, if you like fancier coffee, and frankly, I do, do that. Like, have that there. But you don't need to take these big risks. Oh, we need to have the $7,000 cappuccino machine because really that doesn't benefit clients. You're just packing on an extra cost to them for something they're not coming to you for anyway. I've attended uh, conferences as well where the drink menu is uh, is pushed as the – kind of the deciding factor, the thing that makes a big difference. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that that's not essential, John. Um, well, you know, it sounds like that's a mistake and, and maybe there's some others. What are what are common mistakes lawyers are making with client service? So I've got this way of thinking about it. It's just, we take it back a step. Every business you've ever been to, every time anybody puts money down in exchange for whatever product, they're buying a combination of three different components of that product. So there's the physical component, the thing you can pick up and touch. You know, when you go buy a Lego set, primarily you're paying for the stuff. Then there is technical know-how components of, you know, for lawyers, this is where we are. Like knowing how to do a thing, knowing the rules, knowing how to find out how to do something, picking a strategy. And so thinking about it as it's a technical service. And this is where there's a lot of confusion because the next thing I'm going to say is, well, the third component is going to be the service component. And this is how that business delivers its technical and physical components. Like you, you're going to get some level of all three of these. And depending on the type of business, you're going to get different mixes of it. So Lego, primarily physical component. Lawyers, primarily a technical component because we're being asked to come in and think and you know, provide strategy and do things for people. And when you get into those primarily service businesses, or you know, we often get lumped into, well, we're all service providers. You know, lawyers and restaurants and Disney, we're all the same type of business. And it's not really that. You know, we're lawyers are here to provide a technical service where we're doing the thinking for the clients so they can go do something else. Like if the client could come in, you know, almost like a fast food menu, say, you know, like file my appeal, put down their money and walk away, they don't necessarily want to spend that time with us versus a service business where you're looking again for that pampering, entertainment, and fun. People want to spend their time with those service businesses in ways that they just want us to move the needle for them on, you know, file the appeal, get me out of jail get me divorced, get the child adopted, plan my estate, whatever it is. Like it, there's a very big difference. And so we need to make sure that we're focused first and foremost on how are we making it easy for their for the clients to move the needle on the project 
that they want us to move the needle for. You know, it's not, they didn't come to us for liberal application of billable hours. They came to us because they have a problem and they need us to solve it. So focusing first on that and not on, you know, what does it look like? Do you know, do we spend enough on our mid-range gallery art to tastefully decorate our office? It really is clients come to us with problems. How have we solved them? And then a lot of things flow from there. That makes a lot of sense, John. I've, one piece of client feedback I've heard over the years, both you know, for myself and directed towards other young lawyers is, you know, clients like lawyers who can send short emails, you know, that get the point across in the fewest amount of words possible, which is just good writing generally. But it makes very much sense because the, the client wants to free up more time for other things. They don't want to read long emails. Um, then that's just one example of it. Excellent point. Um, now, with respect to this, the advice uh, regarding client service, John, what's, what, what's advice that you can offer an associate or other attorney who may not have as much autonomy with respect to these types of decisions? Right. You know, it's easy for me to say, John, you own your firm. You have no partners. You can just make decisions whenever you want. This is true. But I, was, I started implementing things like this long before I owned my firm. And, you know, I was an associate at three different firms. And once I started realizing, how can I make this easier? It really was, well, how can I make this easier for the partners who, you know, as they say, treat the lawyer or treat the partner like the client? Well, how can I make it easy for them? And just figuring out the ways that I could make their jobs easier. But it was also, you know, you can start looking at things in word of, okay, well, here, we're kind of streamlining the forms, making sure that we're making it easier to redline and review. Those are things that most lawyers are already going to know and say, John, look, rolling my eyes at you right now. So so one of my first things and the thing that I spend $100 a year on and have never questioned since I did it was Calendly. And there are plenty of other competitive softwares for this, but just the ability to send a link to somebody and say, get on my calendar whenever you want. I've paid for the business subscription even before I started my firm and figured out how to integrate it with my Outlook calendar. Just being able to send a link to somebody and say, you know, like we did today, Nick, you know, I sent you a link of here, jump on my calendar. I made it easy for you. We didn't have to go back and forth on this. And the point you know, the point of the going back and forth was always, how can we talk? Here, I've simplified it. You've got access effectively to see when I have time on my calendar. And we found something that worked. And then you know that. the the So that's scheduling. The second part then comes into, how can we train clients that the best way to get a hold of you is not to call, because I'm sure you've seen this, you know, when you're working on one thing, it's not that you don't care about the other clients and you don't want to help all of them immediately, but there is a list of things that you've got to get done. And if somebody calls you while you're focused on one brief or one application or whatever it is, you're going to get derailed and you're going to start thinking about something else. So moving to where you train your clients, the best way to get a hold of me is to get on my calendar and have that link so that current clients, it's not even that you're pushing them out. It's look, just, I'm bookending when I'm going to take calls that aren't scheduled. So I've got, for me, it's the 
the early part of the afternoon is the best time for me to sit there and just grind away on writing projects. That's when I get my best stuff done in the morning. I'm doing more calls and things like that, but just figuring out this is a way to make it easy to get in touch with you. And then using the basically free neat free Calendly is basically free to get started with. You can spend more money on it to get more and neater features on it, but just making it easy for folks to get in touch with you and know they're not being left in the black hole of voicemail. They're not being left in the, oh, we'll just have him give me a call. Like if you call uh, my office and the, the folks who are answering the phones for me, they're trained, even if somebody says, just have him call me back, they've got an access to my calendar so that it gets scheduled of when I can call them back. That way, if nothing else, they... They may not know when I'm going to call them back, but it's on my calendar to call that person back. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. And that's something that I've recently adopted. I've, I've subscribed to Book Like a Boss. Yep. Uh, it's, and I think it's a very similar software. Well, um, John, you, you know, your, your time is extremely valuable and I want to be very respectful of that. What are your top three suggestions for our listeners? Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have come on and uh, share share my hot takes on client service. Uh, number one, it's recognizing what lawyers are hired to do. You know, it's not, you, you'll hear a lot of people talk about client experience, customer experience being the foremost thing. That's not, it's not totally wrong, but realize that the experience that people get is a result of the service you've put in place. And so experience is what the clients are receiving. Service is how you're getting it to them. And so it, it encompasses things that aren't going to be seen by the client. So what do we take from that? So takeaway number one, recognize that clients are hiring you first and foremost to move the needle on a project. You're focused, again, like you said with that, you know, the shorter emails, how are you helping them move their needle? whatever it is, the long CYA emails that explain everything. Clients don't like those. Nobody wants to read that. So, you know, number one, focus on what you're there to deliver. Number two, even when it comes to content, I found breaking things up into multiple emails and even series of emails. Like we're, we're putting things together to where instead of one long, you know, seven page letter, that just has all of our condensed knowledge reduced right there. If we send it out as seven daily emails that are a couple paragraphs long, those are getting better engagement. Clients actually read those because we're not asking them to sit down for 20 minutes and think hard about something. It's here's two or three short paragraphs. And then finally, tech can be your friend. You know, the, the, the robots are coming somewhat but our value is going to be how can we integrate with that tech to provide the system, uh, the slack in the system that tech can't. You know, if you think a fully automated system, think about Amazon. It's very hard to get a human if something goes wrong. But ultimately, Amazon is just a logistics company. They get stuff from point A to wherever you are. They're they're not really retail, they're just the middleman. And they've cut out 
cut out um, retail locations, brick and traditional brick and mortar locations. That's okay. Just recognize that because they're so automated, there's very little slack to accommodate for things going wrong. Well, we're not like that. We're not just kind of, oh, you know, here's your appeal. We're going to pull one off the shelf. You've got human clients and everyone ultimately has different circumstances. So you need to have people in there who can start, you know, adding that slack back in the system to account for your particular clients. So it's not just, I'm not saying jam everything into tech. It's you've got to have your humans in there to make sure that you've got the slack in the system to accommodate your clients. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, John, where can our listeners find you? Well, uh, the best thing to do, go and find my podcast, Five Star Council. Uh, start with episode one. I go into a pretty deep dive on what I think service is, kind of explaining the different components. And it's a great place to get started. After that, we've got more episodes uh, interviewing folks it, both inside legal and in the general business community, because we can, this is not something where we can stay just within our legal community. We want to get other ideas and start figuring out, you know, I've got people who come in and talk about doing more automations and how we can get better and faster at that, as well as the human side of what we should be doing to make it easier for clients in both the sales and marketing process. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for our listeners, we're also going to include in the show notes um, an additional link uh, that John has provided. John, thanks again. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to Young Gunners from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. Don't forget to check out other episodes available on our website, tyla.org, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a topic you want to hear about, email us at tyla at texasbar.com or send us a tweet at at TexYoungLawyers using the hashtag YoungGunners. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you join us for another episode. Yeah.